One thing that all great athletes have in common is that they have a coach. They know that to be their very best, to fully unleash their potential, they need someone coaching them. But not only that, these athletes know they need to listen to their coaches. And well, managers, we aren't so different from athletes. A coach can help us unlock our own potential, but only if we are willing to engage. So today, we're learning what it is to be coachable so we can all reach new heights. A warm welcome to Libby C, Eric K, Lucas B, Lori H, and Maite S to the Modern Manager community. Today's guests are Scott Osman and Jacqueline Lane. Scott is the founder and CEO of the 100 Coaches Agency and co-designer of the proprietary curation process and the company's relationship-first philosophy. In his role as CEO, he establishes the vision for the company, leads partnerships and business development, and serves as the leading light of the 100 Coaches community, which he co-founded with Marshall Goldsmith in 2016. He is also the co-founder of Methods by 100 Coaches, the online learning platform. Jacqueline is the president of the 100 Coaches Agency and co-designer of their proprietary creation process and relationship-first philosophy. She has been with the agency since its founding and is a critical pillar of the 100 Coaches community. Jacqueline comes to the world of executive coaching through her previous roles in energy industry and lifelong commitment to improving the lives of all people by elevating the quality of leadership. Scott, Jacqueline, and I talk about the most important thing any leader can do, which is to be coachable. They share the four aspects of coachability, why being coachable is so powerful, and how to take steps to help yourself become more coachable, plus a whole lot more. Now here's the conversation. Are you a manager, boss, or team leader who aspires to level up and unleash your team's full potential? You're listening to the Modern Manager Podcast, and I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Each week, I explore effective strategies and provide actionable insights that supercharge your management abilities, optimize team performance, and foster a healthy workplace culture. Become a rockstar manager and help your team thrive at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I just finished reading your book, which as an executive coach makes me very, very happy. I want to send it to all of my clients so that they can really understand what it means to be coachable and to get the most out of a coaching experience. So thank you both for joining me today. It's, it's so such a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much for having us. Let's do a little framing first. What is coaching? How do you define coaching? And also, what is coaching not? How is it different from things that we might typically think of as coaching? So what is coaching and what is coaching not? Great. So coaching is originally a term used in the sports world, right? It's usually meant to mean anyone that's uh, not the actual athlete in the ring or competing in the competition. It's someone who's on the sidelines who helps you train and prepare. And so similarly in the world of business and all these other areas, people are recognizing that a coach, you know, is a useful guide. It's a person who can help you train, prepare, get better, grow. They can simply see things that you can't. And so they're a wonderful resource to get better in almost any area. And so what we're talking about specifically today is primarily in the world of business or exec, you know, might be called business coaching or executive coaching or leadership coaching. Often people think about mentors and coaches being very similar. Uh, we recognize that they're not. The, the mentor relationship is different. Uh, the mentor relationship is a, is a looser relationship. The coaching relationship is more formal. Um, it's also not therapy. Although I think from that, you know, time to time, coaches act like therapists. They're not therapists. And the intention isn't the same kind of intention as therapy. I think when people need therapy, they should go to therapy. That's great. But if they want to advance their business career, uh, then, a, then a leadership coach is really the right answer. 
Having said that, our experience also is that leadership coaching actually makes people better human beings as well as just better leaders. Yeah, I, I love that. And I tell my clients too, I'm not your therapist and I, I'm not trained to be a therapist. I cannot be your therapist. And it's so important because we do touch on so many deep issues that people are experiencing and who they are and how they show up. As you said, Scott, it's beyond the workplace. It's really about who you are in life. And that that's big stuff. That is that is deep. So let's talk about now the the meat of it, right? What is being coachable? What does it actually mean to be someone who is coachable? And I know you guys have four different components. So maybe you guys could walk us through those four pieces. Well, well, as someone who wasn't coachable until recently, I'll take that one. Um, because I think part of the impetus for the book was a recognition that you don't just show up at a coaching relationship ready to be coached without doing some pre-work and being ready to become coachable. And we actually, you know, we're, we're, uh, represent a group of hundreds of coaches. Uh, and we surveyed them, we talked to them about what, it, you know, what are the best practices for someone who shows up ready to be coached. Uh, and that's what Becoming Coachable came, became. And, um, and we describe it as our openness framework. And there's four component parts to the openness framework. And Jacqueline, I'll, we'll alternate uh, as we describe them. So the first one, uh, which actually was my big unlock, uh, was being open to change. I think open to change is a little insidious because we all say we're open to change. But then, uh, for example, if you think you have all the answers, you're probably not open to change because why would you change if you have all the answers? Um, so the first thing is really to recognize you don't have all the answers and that um, if you want to get better, uh, change is the way to get there. I think the other thing I understood and open to change was in some way, anything I, anything I think is the highest level I can attain is essentially a limitation. And being open to change also means being open to letting go of limitations. And it also sounds like being open to change is accepting the fact that the way you are now is not either as as full of your potential as you could be, and that it's also maybe the way that you are now is not working right. Like there's an element to be open that has to do with admitting to yourself that you're not perfect or you're not even as good as you can be. Sometimes I think we like to say not working as well as we would like yes. or that we could be working better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of what it means to grow, right? You have to be open to change. And when we stop growing, we stop progressing. It, you know, it's such a funny thing. I hear so many people say things like, oh, I, I went to school. I took the last math class I'll ever have to take or I don't, I'm never going to have to write a paper again. I don't have to grow. I don't have to learn. I'm done with school. Find that to be a very limiting mindset. We know that a growth mindset is is part of what makes people adaptable, uh, and part of what makes them change and adapt to all these different situations that happen, changing socioeconomic conditions, whatever it may be. Uh, that's that's part of being a good manager. All right, let's touch on the second one now. So the second tenant of our openness framework is being open to receiving feedback. And open to feedback is important because, as Scott said, it recognizes that we don't have all the answers. But especially if we're a leader or manager, then guess what? The people that we are managing or leading, they do have answers. They can simply see things that we can't see ourselves. And so it's important to be consistently seeking their feedback because again, that's a key part of growing. And uh, none of us can do this on our own. We all need the support of other people. And simply asking for that feedback is a, a powerful catalyst. 
Absolutely. And we know that this is one of the hardest things for managers to do is to ask for feedback, is to receive it well and appropriately, but even also just to get it, right? Like I definitely have had clients who said, I asked for feedback and I got crickets, right? I got, I got nothing in return. People don't want to actually give feedback. So being open is definitely a big part of it and asking for it and then actually getting it, which we I think we'll get to in a little bit here on how to actually get to it. So then the third tenant, um, we realized like all well and good, you can be open to change and open to feedback. But if you aren't also open uh, and willing to take action about that, uh, then you're not really coachable because of course, coaches really want you to succeed and have a material impact on, you know, on your work and your life. And it's going to take some change to do that. Some, you know, taking the action. Uh, so the third, the third tenant is taking action. So important. It all comes down to action. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it sounds so obvious, right? I mean, so many of these things, they are straightforward and simple and obvious and yet uh, easily overlooked. Well, it's something I tell my clients too, when we make their plan and they commit to whatever it is they're going to do. And I say, great, you made your plan. You know what you're going to do. Great. You come back the next week. They didn't do it. And it's like the first thing we're going to do is say, okay, so why didn't you do it? <laughs> right? Let's let's unpack what is going on that is keeping you from taking the actions that you committed to doing. Because yeah, way easier said than done. <laughs> that so leads us into the fourth tenant, which is being open to being held accountable, which is, as you said, checking in from time to time and just asking, are you doing the things that you've committed to doing? It's so important to have accountability because we're all flawed human beings. We're all weak. It's just human nature. Uh, you know, we all have things we want to do. We know we should be doing, and yet they're hard. And so we we put them off or we avoid them. And so having someone who can help us be accountable to those uh, decisions, those actions, our values, whatever it may be, that's so important for showing up the way we want to show up. Maybe you can kind of go deeper now into each of these and tell us a little bit more about how do you... I don't know if this is as easy to, to explain, but like from being unopen or saying that you're open, but not truly open to actually being open. And maybe if you have a story um, or an example, that would be really helpful. One of the best examples I know is a coaching client who uh, very much professed to want to change a relationship with his co-founder. You know, they were having some tension when she made a decision that wasn't aligned with his. He would step in, essentially strong arm her into making the call that he thought was best. And so this definitely put them at odds. And again, each week he would renew this commitment to say, yeah, I'm not going to step in. I'm not going to strong arm her. Uh, I'm really going to change the, the way I, I act. And, you know, this would happen week after week after week. And so eventually the coach had to say to this guy, hey, listen, I actually don't think that you're coachable. I actually don't think that you're committed to making this change right now. And I don't want to waste your time and mine. Uh, and so that's that's an example of, you know, someone, again, who, who might think that they um, are committed to something. But uh, it, it, especially when it comes to our actions and when we get held accountable, that's where the rubber really meets the road and we see for sure. Yeah, it's tricky in that kind of situation. What happens, right? Did did the coach just say, "I think this is not the right time for us to work together"? Did the person say, "Oh wow, you're actually calling me out on something. I need to figure out what is actually keeping me from making the changes that I want"? Kind of where did that where did it go? Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. The coach again said, "You know, I'm not sure we're going to make progress if uh, we renew the commitment, but nothing changes each week." And so they decided to go separate ways for a little while. And then this particular leader uh, had this kind of change of heart, this moment of realization where he said, wow, 
I know that if I want to grow and I want to change this, I really need to commit to it and mean it this time. And so, you know, he had this complete change of heart and really did come back engaged in the process in a with a completely newfound energy and it ended up being a very successful engagement. Wow. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And also really goes to show that you have to want this. Like you have to truly be internally motivated. It doesn't feel like coaching can work as well if it's something that your boss has said we're going to get you a coach or your board is that we're going to get you a coach. And you're like, do I really need a coach? Should I have a coach? Like, is a coach a bad thing? Is a coach a good thing? So in your mind, I mean, obviously coaching is awesome, but what, what is it like? Why would you want a coach? Why would it be good if your boss said, we want to get you a coach? Oh, I, I think coaching is one of the most competitive advantages any executive can have. There was a time where people thought coaching was remedial where it was for people who were you know, behaving badly, they needed a coach to help them become better. But I think in the last uh, maybe two decades, uh, coaching has become what superstars need. You know, when you think of, I guess, you know, US Open was just played recently. So, uh, you know, you imagine every player who's a top player has at least one coach, sometimes multiple, because they know they wanna be performing at their, at their optimum best. Um, I don't think there's an executive in the world that wouldn't be made better by a coach. When you think about the value that's created by these leaders, the cost of coaching is almost irrelevant. Ideally, and in many companies this is the case, coaching is a badge of honor. Uh, actually, I think our co-author Marshall Goldsmith uh, sort of pioneered the idea of talk about your coach, brag that you're being coached. I mean, of course, he's the number one coach, so you know people really brag about him. But if you walk around saying, look, I'm getting a coach because I'm gonna be better, I'm going to be more, you know, and and not only that, you're going to be able to witness and experience my improvement. As a leader, set an example for what it means to be a leader, what it means to improve, um, and and doing that through coaches. I love that. I, I hope everyone brags about their coach. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the process of working with a coach. So. I don't want to talk about finding a coach because that's like a whole other thing. But right, let's I mean, talk about the process of actually showing up with your coach. What should you expect from your coach and what should your coach expect from you? So this is where, uh, you know, it depends on exactly uh, what type of coach you're engaged with and what it is that you're looking for. Because one of the unique parts about coaching is it can really be customized to each and every person. There are so many different coaches out there with different specialties approaches, methods. Finding a coach is, is definitely um, an important step of the process because uh, that decision will affect a lot of how you end up working together. But one of the things that we think is the most important is really, do you have good chemistry? Do you have a good fit with one another? Do you trust one another? Because then, you know, if you have that great foundation, if you have a natural rapport, then you'll figure out together what's the right way for you to be interacting and growing. And the coach will often tailor the engagement to get the most from you, the same way that a personal trainer or a sports coach would understand what motivates you and how you can get better uh, in ways that you may not be aware of yourself. And so usually what we find is that coaching falls into some kind of a regular cadence uh, usually maybe an hour a week, two hours every other week. You know, again, the coach and coachee decide together how it is that they want to interact. But the thing I think that's most important is to remember that your coach is really your guide. You are the hero of your own story. Your coach is really your guide, which means you really have to do the work. 
And this is what you were talking about earlier, Mamie, that you really have to do the reps yourself. When you go to the gym, you can, you know, have this approach, oh, you know, my company hired a coach for me. I'm just going to show up and do the minimum. Well, you, then you're going to get the minimum results. But if you really push yourself at the gym, right, that's, and you do the reps, uh, you go home, you do the practice that your coach has assigned you, then you're going to start to see real change. And the more committed you are in that process, the more your coach will be too. Uh, and I think that's a really important distinction. It is not just about the hour you spend on the phone with the coach, right? They get to your point. That hour is the planning, it's the exploration, it's the brainstorming, it's the pushing and pulling and reflection, but it does not stop there. You know, you were just talking about fit with your coach and before we're also talking about gathering feedback or being open to feedback. Should you know what you want to work on before you hire your coach or or is it just you know find someone that you have the right chemistry with and has like the right style to work with you and then you'll figure out what you should be working on through feedback process do you need to know your goals is it okay to figure out your goals later do you even have to have coaching goals or you should just have a coach and you'll work on stuff what what do you recommend we've seen it both ways you know many times through our process uh, we interview people before we help them find a coach. And so we're, we're pretty good at listening to what people are looking for. And people come in with all sorts of things. Uh, some people come in knowing exactly what they want and what kind of coach they're looking for. Other people come in knowing exactly what they want, what they want and then find out they're wrong. And then other people come in not quite knowing and they find out in the 360 process, uh, which is not a bad way to find out because so many executives have a blind spot in you know what they're, as, as you were saying before, sometimes that 360 feedback can be a real wake-up call. And one of the great things about that wake-up call is it gives you something to focus on um, because it's the thing that you're, the people who are around you recognize is something that you could be doing better. I think most listeners are probably familiar with a 360. Could you give like a couple of sentence overview of, of what a 360 is and kind of how, how it works? It is basically your coach will have interviews with um, a selection of people that you recommend he talk to, uh, people who report to you, people who are peers and people who you report to. Often it's around seven to 15 people in that group. And then they uh, take all of that information, they aggregate it, and they pull out some of the insights that come from the people who know you best, the people who are working with you. What I always find astonishing about a 360 is how uh, I'll say brutally honest people will be with a coach because I think in their hearts, they really want this information to get to the leader. And they, this is the best way they have of getting them the honest, you know, honest feedback about how they're doing and how they can do better. I agree. I've definitely found that going through a 360 process as the coach, people are willing to tell me things that they have said, I've never told this to my boss, but I'm, I believe that the person actually wants to change. I believe my boss actually wants to change now that they have a coach. It's almost like the coach creates some level of credibility for the manager or the executive who's now saying like, I really do want to change. I promise when I tell you I'm trying to get better, I mean it. And look, I have a coach now who's going to help me do it. And that creates some safety. Absolutely. We see that too. And this goes back to Scott's point earlier you know, people should be proud to have a coach. It is a sign that you care about the people that you lead and are responsible for. It says that you're invested in your own growth and being better uh, as a human being and for those people. And so it's such a powerful process because again, as you said, the coach often helps manage some of those stakeholder relationships. Uh, 
and really contributes to that growth and really changes the perception of people. We have seen in many companies where when someone gets a coach, that's a sign that the company is really invested in that person's growth. And it's very common for people to get a big promotion or be recognized because, again, there's something about the vulnerability of that process that really speaks to people and often elevates people in ways that they didn't anticipate. In our last couple of minutes, I'm wondering if there's anything else that listeners should think about if they want to be in a coaching relationship, if they want to get a coach, if they feel like they're ready for it, what should they be considering or how can they optimize their their coaching experience best? I would suggest uh, taking a look at our book. I do think that it's a really helpful guide uh, to getting started. And that's a big part of why we wrote it is we realized that there were lots of books out there about the coaching tool set and then the leader as a coach and um, all of these different methodologies, which are wonderful and certainly valuable for people to understand. But there's another side to the equation. It's not just about having a great coach. It's also about being a great coaching client and being able to engage in that process well. And so we wanted to write something that would prepare people to get the most out of that process so essentially they can go further faster. Very often people who are coaching, who are in a coaching relationship or lead, are in a leadership position. Um, and leaders are completely different than other types of workers, right? Because a leader is not only responsible for their own work, but for elevating the work of the people around them. And one of the things we, we had written the book, we had written, well, I guess two thirds of the book now. We thought it was 100% of the book at the time. And we sat back, we were pretty proud about what we had accomplished. And we realized there was something missing from the book. Um, and that, that, part that was missing ended up being the third part of the book, uh, which I think we called To What End? And it's the, um, for us, the inspirational part. I think the why, the reason why people are and should be leaders uh, is because leaders fundamentally lift everybody around them up. Uh, and we call that human flourishing. You know, if you take that responsibility seriously, then you really do want to be the best leader you can be. And you absolutely need a coach to be the best leader you can be because the coach helps you see the blind spots. It helps push you, push you to be better at what you do. And candidly, Jacqueline and I are in this business doing this work uh, because we recognize that leadership is the fulcrum uh, that lifts up everybody. I clearly 100% agree. And I love this idea of flourishing and lifting others up as our kind of core role as a leader, as a manager. If you are in a, a position to hire a coach, right? If you're in a senior position where of course, they're going to say yes if you ask for a coach or maybe you already have one or you're a small business owner. This is an investment you can make in yourself. You're the decision maker. If you're a mid-level manager or a first-time frontline manager, how do you ask for a coach? Is there a way that you recommend we go to our bosses to say, hey, this is something that is important to me and this is, I think, the best way to help me be the best contributor to this company. Are there ways that we can help get ourselves coaches? Because it's not always financially viable to pay out of pocket, unfortunately. Most of the work that we do is paid for by the company. Um, and, you know, look, there are better and better resources to democratize coaching and make it accessible for companies. And we see more and more companies want their mid-level managers to have coaching. Um, and I think that taking that first step of saying, I aspire to create more value for the company. Um, and I recognize to do that, a coach is going to be the most effective, efficient, probably even the cost-effective way to help me be more productive. Think of it through the lens of value creation. 
All right. Well, now we're going to wrap up because we are actually out of time. Can one of you or both of you share a story about a great manager that you worked for and why this person was such a fantastic boss? I feel so fortunate to have had so many wonderful managers over the course of my career. But I think the uh, quality that most strikes me is when they know how to handle when things go wrong. You know, anyone can really steer the ship when things are smooth sailing. But when things become tumultuous and challenging and people need to live out their values, that's where things become very clear very fast. Um, I remember one time specifically, you know, I had a very uh, scary situation at home. Um, my my husband was hospitalized. It was it was very stressful. And, and just the overwhelming response of support and to give me the space I needed and to recognize that it was going to take some time uh, for me to heal from some of the trauma of that situation. And so it was this very gentle transition back into work. And just, again, this outpouring of support, even though I had a very uh, demanding 24-7 kind of job. And so just the amount of support that my manager rallied to get the entire team to step up and to help essentially carry the load so that I could have the time and space I needed to take care of my husband, to take care of myself, really said a lot to me because I know how much work, extra work it created then to manage all these different pieces. But it was it was part of the what allowed me to, to have a sustainable work environment, especially in that time. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Wow, that's beautiful. And I hope you're on the other side of it and that everyone is okay. And uh, what a wonderful manager to, to step up in that way for you. And where can people learn more about both of you and keep up with your work and get a copy of your book? We'd love for you to join the conversation at becomingcoachable.com. We are going to have some exciting new resources there and ways for us to, to be in conversation with one another. We want to hear your thoughts about what it means to be coachable, how human flourishing really uh, sparks and grows, how we can all be a part of that. Uh, so please, please check us out there. You can get the book on Amazon. You can follow both Scott and I on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to look us up. And especially if you send us a message mentioning that you heard this podcast, we'd love to connect and continue the conversation with you. And of course, you can also find us at, uh, at the 100 Coaches Agency. Uh, which is agency.100coaches100coaches.com. Fabulous. Well, thank you both again so much for joining me today. I love talking about coaching, and I really hope that everybody will go out and get your book and learn to become more coachable and just elevate their their leadership, their people leadership, their management capabilities in, in whole new ways. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Mamie. It's really been a pleasure talking with you. Members of the Modern Manager community receive a free Kindle edition of Becoming Coachable. Imbued with decades of experience at the highest echelons of the industry, Becoming Coachable guides readers through the ins and outs of a successful coaching experience. To get this bonus, you must request your copy by October 10th, and everyone who fills out the form will receive a link to the ebook. Remember, Sonia Price of Episode 274 is offering five copies of her book, The Pivot Point System, Five Keys to Unlock Your Career, Health, and Wealth. Members, you must enter the drawing by October 10th. So become a member and get your guest bonus along with the extended episode where I ask Scott and Jacqueline about how to find and evaluate a coach, how to encourage your team members to work with a coach, and what the relationship is between you as the manager and your team member's coach. Go to themodernmanager.com slash more. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of your membership. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. 
Find that at themodernmanager.com slash more. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.